Tonight we're continuing in the uh, book of Isaiah, the second half of the book, as as we have been on Sunday mornings leading up to Easter, seeing the vision of Isaiah, which, which points to and fills out and prepares us for the coming of Jesus Christ. So tonight we're in chapter 55 of Isaiah for a short meditation preparation for our celebration of the Lord's Supper. As we remember specifically tonight the events of that holy week of the upper room and what happened on that Thursday night. So turn with me, if you would, uh, page 524 in the Pew Bibles, if you're using one of those, Isaiah chapter 55. As we've seen, the last chapters of Isaiah describe a servant of the Lord who is the bringer of salvation to God's people. The servant is the one who brings justice The servant is the one who comes near to God's people and comforts them. The servant is the one who restores them and frees them from their fears and their distress. The servant is the one who is filled with the Spirit. We've seen these descriptions through the book of Isaiah and, of course, most famously, and as we recognize most maybe specifically tonight, the servant is the one who will be struck down under God's hand for the judgment and punishment for sin that should have fallen on others. This servant, his work predicted by Isaiah, fulfilled, of course, in the coming and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is in the context and and the basis for our understanding of this text here in Isaiah 55 as we turn there tonight. So read with me from God's Word. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples and a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. While he is near, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Please pray with me. Father, indeed, we're thankful that we can come to your word and we can come to this table. We can be here in this place tonight. And we do ask that you would speak to us. And speak through your word, through me even, that that your words would be declared to your people for our nourishment, for our strength, for our building up, for our conviction, for our repentance, for us to be changed through your words. Help us to listen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The scene here opens with a... A dramatic invitation, a compelling invitation. We should picture, we should think of a marketplace, a crowded marketplace full of loud noises 
and rich smells. In the old city of Jerusalem, if you've been there even today, there are these kinds of places where you walk down these narrow passageways and alleys. They're crowded with shoppers and merchants, their children running around, their animals, their stalls with various kinds of merchandise, brightly colored awnings over the top of those stalls, bags of all kinds of goods, foods, fresh spices, all kinds of people wearing different clothes, speaking different languages. And the ever-present hawkers, the merchants, are there, of course, and they're trying to get everyone's attention. And they're seeking any hook to capture your interest and to get you to consider the goods that he has here, the best ones of all, of any that you would find in this place. This is the kind of scene that, that we should see here, the beginning of this passage. And into this kind of scene, the Lord is speaking. He's calling out. He's inviting anyone who will listen. So let us listen tonight to him. As we meditate on this passage, we consider four different commands from the Lord that we see here in the text. First is this idea of buying and getting in verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. In this market scene, in this competition for business, there's one who has a different agenda for his customers. This seller doesn't seem interested in personal profit. Right? In the midst of all of these competing voices, imagine a voice saying, You, you don't look like you have any money. Why don't you come over here to my stall? You don't have any resources. Great, come here and buy from me. It's a too-good-to-be-true kind of offer. And the seller isn't just offering water. He's offering wine. He's offering milk. He's offering the richest of drinks and food as it goes on. And even though it's a without-cost, some kind of transaction, we should notice that the image here is still about buying and selling. This isn't just a soup kitchen. What What is offered isn't exactly just a handout. The picture is of buying and selling. But the question is, what's the currency? What's the cost? What kind of currency is it that is required if my money doesn't work? What can I buy with? What can I bring to this transaction? Well, in this Easter week, of course, we know the answer. There was a price that was paid to make all of this available. It just wasn't paid by us. We didn't have the right kind of money in ourselves to get all that's offered. We were incapable. But now... By the gift of faith, we can see that the way to gain what is offered is to come empty-handed. Come and buy without money, without cost. Second is the idea of hungering and being satisfied. Verse 1 told us that the invitation goes out to those who are thirsty. Verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. The Lord now asks a rhetorical question. Why are you living for that which does not satisfy you? Your labor isn't getting you what you really want. 
We can see this and think of this in a very literal kind of way. How many people who we know are working hard to get what won't make them happy? They're running on a treadmill, never getting to their destination, but thinking all along the way that it's the next thing that will make them happy. How do we, in the same way, trade our labor for things that we think will bring us satisfaction but really won't? Another way to think about it is the root issue here is what does a person desire? What do they want? Sometimes our desires are misplaced. We feel what seems to us to be hunger, but we aren't really hungry, or at least we shouldn't be. Our sin-tainted hearts, you know, they want the wrong things. And this is the question the Lord poses here. What do you want and what do you really want? For what are you truly hungry and thirsty? In this marketplace of ideas, do you want to buy this? This suffering servant? This proclaiming of an upside-down kind of kingdom? This guy who's the strangest merchant you've ever encountered? Is this the most valuable thing to give your life for? If so, and if bread is offered to you, why are you spending your life in a quest for what is not bread? It's the power of the question here. Of course, we see clearly the solution in the New Testament. Jesus teaches us he's the bread. He's the bread of life. He said that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled And he shows us what it means to give one's life completely and wholly for what is most valuable. Because he did his Father's will. He submitted to the agenda of his Father. And we also are called to exchange our desires and our hungers for God's desires for our lives, which will, in the end, of course, be the most satisfying and the best for us anyway. Come and buy, come and hunger for what really satisfies. Third, in this noisy marketplace, there's a third thing that's required. Listen and live. The second half of verse 2. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. The command to listen is given here in three different ways. And these verses match up, which in the original is three different invitations to come. Some of our English translations have the word come four times, but it's three in the Hebrew. And so three times goes out the invitation, and three times matching it, there's a call to listen, to give ear, and to hear me. That's what the Lord says. The idea is to listen persistently and attentively. So we see that just approaching this merchant isn't enough. You can walk up and you can do some window shopping and browsing. That won't help you. That won't get you what you want. Don't just show up and browse and look from a distance, but listen. 
engage and hear. There's an urgency in this invitation, isn't there? Any shopkeeper knows that the way to use urgency to back, to back off or to press is the way to make the sale, to close the deal, right? Did you hear the urgency in the words and also the progression of what is at stake in this invitation? Listen and eat what is good. Listen that your soul will delight in the richest affair. Listen that your soul may live. It progresses from physical, eat what is good, that your soul will delight, that your soul will live. What is offered is a matter of life and death. Not just physical death either, but spiritual and eternal. Your soul may live if you can hear and listen and give ear and be attentive to these words. One's response to this invitation is the key to life and death. Why? Well, the verse tells us because God will make an everlasting covenant with you. An everlasting covenant. Unbreakable and faithful love is what's promised to you. Like God made with King David of old. The covenant was ratified in the former days, of course, by the sprinkling of an animal's blood. But in the cup of the supper, in the new covenant, of course, the blood of the Lamb of God was what was poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Come and buy. Come and hunger. Come and listen. Your life is at stake. And finally, repent and find pardon. Verses 4 and 5 describe the, the role of David as the Old Testament leader and the witness of the covenant. Let's look down in verses 6. And seven, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. The urgency of the message is continued and even heightened here, isn't it? There is, this is a limited time offer. For each of us, no one knows the number of our days, except for our Heavenly Father. It's a limited time offer. But God has made himself findable. God has come near in his Son, through his Spirit. God has revealed himself and allowed us to see him. And seek him here doesn't mean search for him. In this case, it means to come with the commitment of knowing what is there of what is known to be there. Seek Him. Call upon Him while you still have the chance to respond to His invitation. But as you come to Him, you have to be willing to let things go. As it says in verse 7, forsake your wicked plans, forsake your own way and your own thoughts. To turn to the Lord means, of course, to repent. Old Testament word to turn means to turn around. It's the picture of repenting, of going in different direction. And we have much, of course, for which we must repent. 
We have thought that we were rich, that we had some kind of money that we could save ourselves and get what we want from God. We have thought that we could bring something to this transaction. We have hungered, but not for bread. And we've thirsted for what is all kinds of unsatisfying substitutes. We've listened to every other voice and not paid attention to God's words. For all these things, we are guilty. We need to repent, and this passage calls us to that. The beauty, of course, is that we find this night and in this passage is the gospel. What comes next? Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon in running to God instead of away from Him, in seeing and naming our guilt, we find mercy, we find pardon, we find a God who receives us and welcomes us. And so now as we prepare for the table, the Lord is speaking to us through His prophet Isaiah from many, many centuries ago. The Lord is inviting you by not with money, good deeds, religious stuff, what you think you can bring to this transaction, but buy with faith alone, believing that the cost has already been paid in full for you. Buy into the truth that you who have no money are invited to come. Buy and eat. Hunger, not for the fleeting things of this life that thieves take and moths destroy, that which costs your life and doesn't satisfy. Hunger for the bread of life, who loves you, calls you to desire and to do his Father's will, as he did. Listen, not in one ear and out the other, but give ear to this merchant who is calling out. Your very soul is at stake. I will make everlasting promises to you of my faithful love. He says, pay attention to his words. And finally, repent. Not in vague and nameless ways, but from the heart. For the things that you are ashamed and embarrassed of. For the things you don't want anyone to know. For the ways that you have been selfish in relating to others. For running away from God and not listening and not trusting in his Son not believing in his promises in so many other ways, of course. We're called to repent. This passage is good news for us tonight. As now as we come to the table, turn to the Lord, and he will freely pardon you. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, indeed, this night we're thankful that you have called out to us, that you have given us ears that can hear and can see what's true, that you have done amazing things in getting our attention and in changing us. And Father, we pray for your work to continue in us, that we would come empty-handed, that we would want what you want that we would listen to your words, and that we would be quick to repent and to seek you. 
Help us now as we prepare for the Lord's table, as we prepare to commune with you. We know that you are here with us. Help us to examine ourselves and to be prepared uh, for meeting with you and to find here nourishment for our spirits and encouragement and hope in your great love for us. We thank you for speaking to us through your word. We pray for your continued presence with us this, this time, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.